Hey everybody, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles and thank you to Seminole Boosters for their support of this program and more than that, their support of Florida State student-athletes. If you're listening to this show and you're not a booster, what are you doing? Support the program and the student-athletes you care about. All the information you need is online at boosters.fsu.edu. Your gift makes an impact. It supports scholarships and sports medicine, strength and conditioning, nutrition, equipment. Buy tickets, show the student-athletes you care. All the info you need, boosters.fsu.edu. And all the info you need this week, well, here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. This is Front Row Knowles. KJ, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I'm still trying to digest and figure out uh, Monday night's national championship game. But, you know, kudos to the Bulldogs and uh, sympathies to the Horned Frogs. Uh, that was not how I expected that particular contest to turn out. Uh, well, it was I'm interesting. At, I'm looking at you in Zoom and myself as well. And we both seem really well rested. So I guess... Uh, you didn't stay up late last night because I know I didn't. There was not a need to. I did not. You are correct. As we're taping this on Tuesday evening, uh, I, uh, I adios at halftime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I might have watched the first drive of the second half, but it was only because I was still awake, not because I was in suspense. Uh, congratulations to George. You know, it, it took a Florida State alum to get Georgia back on top the last two years. We are aware of that, right? I mean, this, I, this is true. You might have some Georgia roots just a little bit, but we're taking the FSU alum part and adding that to the title. Um, I think it's really interesting because leading up to the game, uh, now, I don't know. I, I'm surprised it was that lopsided. I'm not surprised that Georgia won comfortably. I thought they Not won. at all. Not at all. But I didn't expect the margin to be like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but TCU, there's some similarities with TCU and FSU, and we can talk about this more with Bob Frante a little bit, in that TCU is one of the teams who had leaned on the portal to turn things around. Now, I don't know that it's to the degree that Florida State has leaned on the portal. Uh, but anyway, uh, now a difference, that's a similarity. A difference would be that uh, if you went across the board talent, uh, TCU is, is, is lower than FSU by probably 10 or 15 spots. And FSU is probably 10 or 15 spots lower than Georgia if we're losing the, using the Bulldogs as a measuring stick. So, uh, it just makes me curious, you know, what is the ceiling for Florida State? And we'll talk about this for nine months going into 23 when you consider how many pieces they've added, which is almost every piece. If you would have if you would have written names on a piece of paper, Keith, every name you would have written down before the portal opened is pretty much coming to Florida State, it feels like or returning to FSU. And the returning part is is the part that. Um... I'm not going to say it baffles me. I'm just going to say I didn't expect it. I fully expected Verse to be gone, uh, for Wilson to be gone. Um, you know, I, I just didn't see those things going FSU's way. Uh, and we'll, for whatever reasons, and we may never know, or it may be 10 or 20 years from now before we know, Coach Norvell and that staff have been able to find a way to say the right thing at the right time, do the right thing at the right time, uh, in order to present FSU in the best light. And it's, it's paying some, at least some talent dividends. We'll see how that translates onto the field. 
because you got to take those pieces and parts. And as we've talked about over the last few years, Florida State has not been better by adding the parts. This is the first year where adding the parts together has made the team better. And we'll see what uh, the 23 squad looks like as they begin that quest when uh, camp starts and, and uh, they start playing games next, uh, well, I was going to say next year, later on this year, later on this year. To me, this all comes down to a four-letter word that is not hype. It is work, which we talked about previously, and, and Coach Norvell pointed that immediately in the post-game press conference at the Cheez-It Bowl. But staring at your press clippings does no good. And so as we talk, Keith, uh, everything, you know, everything points to people feeling good. It's great. Now Florida State's launched a website for Jordan Travis to get his name further out there, which relates to Heisman. The last time I remember something like that, candidly, was Christian Ponder when they had notepads that said CP7 on them. CP7, that's right. Yeah, and the Heisman race uh, or his chances quickly evaporated. I don't remember the specifics that year. It might have been injury. But anyway, or maybe overall uh, team success or lack of, I I don't remember. But the point is, Keith, none of that wins any ball game. So I guess my question to you is, can this team, can the coaching staff get this team to focus on the details, the process, the work, and then the results will come, which is what happened this year? Because if you just look at it the other way, it's not a winning formula. You know, the, the issue for me has always been the leadership of your upperclassmen. And when you look at the dynasty years under Coach Bowden, if you look at the 2012 through what, 2014, 2015 Jimbo years, including the, gosh, I've forgotten now, how many consecutive wins, 20-something consecutive wins over a two or two-and-a-half-year period, you know, it was all about, um, you know, uh, development and getting better. And, and that started with your upperclassmen demanding that, that excellence from your underclassmen. And you're now starting to see that. I think the 22 group, uh, as evidenced by that 10 and three record, um, started to buy into that. The coaches, Tom, can only make the players do so much because you get tired of hearing them yapping in your ears. But when your teammates are pushing you and your teammates are leading you, that's when you start developing the the excellence of a program. And you're beginning to see parts and pieces of that come into play. And I'm I'm excited to see what, uh, you know, the tour of duty looks like, what spring ball looks like, what they do over the summer and they get into fall camp, how that plays out. Well, from that standpoint, Florida State will have more veterans, upperclassmen, leaders than they've had in some time. There's been a lot of folks talking about how FSU's gone all in on this year, which to me kind of implies that they're cutting corners for future years. And I don't know that that's true. Certainly a lot of things have have aligned uh, and guys have come back. But uh, the other thing is it's been such a young team of late. You haven't had a big senior class. Now that you're kind true. of returning to the more of what the norm has been. Anyway, we'll talk about that with Bob Ferrante. He'll join us next. We're just getting started on Front Row Knowles. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. 
Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Hey folks, Austin Hobson with Hobson Chevrolet Buick in Cairo, Georgia. And now is the time to buy. With rates as low as 2.99% and new vehicles starting out as low as $25,000. Plus the best selection of pre-owned inventory in North Florida and South Georgia. Come see us where you always get more for your trade, be better treated, and get the best financing available. Come see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones, pleased to open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And we say hello to our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante. Bob, it's been as slow a January as ever for you. Not much going on at all as we lead up to that. Er oh, wait, there's not an early signing day. Well, there is a late signing day in February now. But how are you, sir? I'm doing great. The calendar is shifting on us where, where December is, is, is nuts. And, and so far, January's been... Uh been going pretty strong too i feel like it's just all day every day you have to be on your toes because somebody might say hey i'm going to florida state i mean that's the way this offseason is gone <laughs> yeah i mean the good thing if you're looking for some good things as far as how to manage it you know the transfer portal is open for 45 days and it will eventually shut in the middle of the month and the nfl draft deadlines approaching and so we, we are going to get some closure to those windows, but, but yeah, it seems like, you know, every day, if, if not, um, you know, every few hours, we, we've gotten some news, uh, you know, pretty consistently since, since New Year's Eve. And some news about Florida State kids that either are not going into the transfer portal or are not declaring themselves for the NFL draft. Now, as we sit, this is probably old news to the folks that follow it, but, uh, with Johnny Wilson and with Verse coming back, uh, that's kind of the last pieces of the puzzle in terms of who's going to do what, is it not? Yeah, I think that's everybody absent. You know, we, we may see some guys go in the transfer portal who are backups, you know, a little bit lower in the depth chart, maybe seeking some, some opportunities. You know, uh, for example, congrats to a guy like Treshawn Ward, who's found a home, I believe, at, uh, was at Kansas State um you know so so good for him but but yeah I mean when you can get back your 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 biggest offensive playmaker in Johnny Wilson a guy who can stretch the field average 20.6 yards per reception that's pretty great and it makes everybody around him better all those receivers and tight ends and keeps Jordan Travis happy um and then on defense I think we went back and forth with with Jared Verse should he stay should he go what were his draft prospects a lot of analysts think he's a potential first-round pick. Some people think he, he would have just done incredible at the NFL Combine, you know, athletically with what he can show, you know, out there in shorts. Um, I, I kind of admire the decision that, that he really, you don't have to spend too much time around Jared Verse to see he loves life. And he's very, very happy in Tallahassee in general. I think he's a great teammate and, and a guy who works hard and, and plays hard for everybody. And to see that he wants to come back to and kind of develop and further his career. Um, of course, NIL is behind a lot of these talent retention discussions, but it's a good thing to have all these guys coming back. I, I think it's it's really a, 
a true positive for where this program is going into 2023. So beyond that, Bob, these guys keep coming back and yet guys are transferring in at the same position, which is impressive. But and, and I don't know what happened in Columbia, South Carolina or in past history between Shane Beamer and Mike Norvell. But I mean, the South Carolina to FSU pipeline, apparently it's just a it's one of the few direct flights you can get, apparently. I'm not aware of that at the Tallahassee airport, but everybody seems to be on the express from Columbia here to Tallahassee. Who's the latest guy to join the mix? Yeah, a little bit surprising from just a numbers standpoint to see another defensive end coming in just because you thought there might be a need at Florida State at, say, linebacker or safety. And we'll see how the 85 scholarships play out. But defensive end Gilbert Edmonds coming from South Carolina to Florida State. He had visited last week. Pretty quick visit before he kind of made his decision and made a couple other stops. But um, I, I think Gilbert is a guy who you're probably not looking to start, but with a four-man rotation at defensive end, you've got to have four guys you can really count on. Again, they, they tend to like to use defensive ends, 30, 35 plays, keep them you know, nice and rested so you get maximum effort. So I think this is another good addition. I'm stunned at, at just where Florida State has come from a depth standpoint um, on the offensive line to the defensive line how many guys they've been able to to stockpile. But again, when you look at tackle and end on the defensive line, you need to have that kind of rotational depth. And, and the injuries that Florida State had last year also necessitates that you've you've got guys to to fill in when when somebody goes down and um, injuries are are just the norm in football, but probably most so offensive and, and defensive lines. So Florida State continues to, to get the good news. And uh, before we move to the coaching, the coaching news that broke on Tuesday from Pete Thamel, what uh, what else do you expect in the portal from FSU, Bob? You know, it's it's gotten harder to count scholarships. I mean, let's let's be honest. Does it look like Florida State's over 85 right now? And I think the answer is yes by two or three. Could we still see some guys jump in the portal? That's still open. Could, could guys jump in the portal after spring practice? Of course. Um, so I, I think you're seeing more fluidity in where the roster is. It, it's why Norvell you know, has a spreadsheet and that's constantly updated and they work with Derek Ray on, on moving certain pieces around. I feel like from a numbers standpoint, you don't have enough safeties, to, to be very honest. Um, you lose a big one in Jamie Robinson. Really, you're your best defensive player, let alone defensive back. So you're, you're kind of going to lean on on an Akeem Dent, Shaheen Brown. You've got some younger pieces there coming in. Uh, you know, Conrad Hussey, who won't be an early enrollee, but he'll be coming in, in August. And, and there are opportunities for younger players. That's always a good thing. But if you have an injury, if, if you have a, a need to, to bring in somebody as a good depth piece, I, I think safety would be really toward the top of the list um, just because you, you don't want to be too shorthanded there. Tom uh, alluded to and, and uh, pre-sold uh, the uh, new position coach that has been uh, hired by Florida State, at least according to reports, uh, and a pretty named guy and uh, some interesting background. Tell us about uh, the new DB coach that we think is coming in. Yeah, I, I usually would say I want Florida State 
assistant coaches to have some level of college experience. And I still always will, will say the same thing, but, but Patrick Sertan is a really intriguing candidate. You know, a guy who's coached high school ball six years down in, in Broward County. He's won three state titles, spent the last year with the Miami Dolphins and, you know, not as a true DB coach there, but working with Sam Madison, who's, who's their DB coach there. So this is a, a really intriguing hire because of his connections, uh, talent development, how he can recruit down into South Florida. He's a Southern Miss grad. Um, you know, he's, I'm sure he's got a lot of connections throughout high school football in, in Mississippi and maybe into Louisiana. So, you know, young coaches like this who are uh, pretty well connected and looking to get their foot, get their foot into the door in college football. Um, I think this is a really intriguing hire by Mike Norvell, who, you know, we, we know he went through the, the, the iPhone contact list and, and talked to a number of people, guys who had coaching experience. Um, you know, I know Charles Fishbein had mentioned Nick Monroe at, at Syracuse as a potential candidate and, and Nick Monroe has a lot of recruiting ties into South Florida, but in the end, Mike Norvell makes this hire, and, and he really likes a, a young guy without college experience as a coach, but somebody who's really well-known. I think he will have respect immediately, you know, when he walks into the room and starts talking to his DBs. Well, he played in the NFL for 11 years, and as you mentioned, uh, though it might not have been a hands-on role, he spent the last season with the Dolphins. Um, there is an argument to be made that maybe you don't have on-field college experience, but if you played at that next level and was around that next level, maybe you bring in a different perspective. We'll just wait and see. I like the hire, though. Yeah, I think if you've if you played in the NFL that long, if your son is now in the NFL, if you can say, hey, I was a pro bowler, I, I've been there and kind of done that. It, it's, it, it, again, I like experience. I would always lean on a guy with college experience, but there are a lot of replacements. And I think a guy like Patrick Sertan has those kind of, replacement qualifications well let me go a little bit further on that so he hasn't coached the college game but as a former NFL guy with that long history and I realize he coached high school for a while but now working with Sam Madison who he's also uh fairly local right right correct me if I'm wrong he played at Louisville but he was from Madison and went to FAMU high or something like that Bob am I remembering it all right Sam anyway he and Madison and Sertan would have been teammates together with the Dolphins as the connection and now they're coaching together right yeah. 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 What I was going to say is he's exposed to whatever the latest defenses and strategies and ideas are. So from that standpoint, he's going to bring something to Florida State, not just to help the players in terms of technique one on one and that sort of thing. I think in terms of advancing how Adam Fuller and Randy Shannon and all the defensive coaches look at their uh, their strategy and how they line up defensively. Yeah, I think with with Randy's higher, you know, elevation from analyst to linebacker coach, that was a really good scheme guy to to pair up with. How do you game plan against an offense? I think that works well with Adam Fuller. I, I think I think Patrick will will blend in really really well. Um, will he be a really good listener? Um, you know, I've I've heard everything from you know some contacts down there that that he's a he's a really good guy and a good a good teammate, a guy who wants to listen and learn as a young coach and I, I think he will bring in some some NFL mindset to uh to what Florida State wants to do I and, and again when you're when you're talking to a player it, it's a, a young young man at the 
18 to 23, you need to build immediate respect. And I, I think having been in the NFL for that long, um, I, I think that that certainly helps to you when you're, when you're trying to build those early relationships. He's got a Super Bowl ring from time with the Patriots, does he not? Or am I mistaking him with someone? I don't think so. I don't think so. All right. So we'll I was go just saying, with your... Super Bowl rings impress people. Do we know what – was there a connection with Norvell? Was Randy Shannon somebody who knew him from his South Florida ties, or we don't know that yet? I would, I would think Randy Shannon definitely would have known him being the – you know, Patrick was at American Heritage. Randy's very connected down there. Ron Dugan's very connected down there, to, you know, as far as when he was at Miami as a receivers coach. So I think, I think there is a lot of overlap. And, and you can tell that Norvell is kind of checking with various assistant coaches. You know, who do you know? Who do you trust? What are those relationships like? And I think that's, that's what you have to do when, when you're Coach Norvell. You have to kind of, kind of cross-check the names. Well, all in all, uh, I mean, I feel like it's been one dose of good news after the next for Florida State ever since the win over Florida. So uh, I guess we'll just cross the fingers that it keeps going that way. But I, I do want to change the conversation for our next segment in light of what we saw last night between Georgia and TCU uh, to expand the conversation a little bit about how much has Florida State closed the gap and how far ahead is Georgia from the rest of the country. We'll have that conversation next when we continue on Front Row Knowles. Loading the kids in the car. Brokering peace in the back seat, mastering the snack handoff without even looking. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. We work with independent agents who keep insurance simple so you can worry about more important things like figuring out what's growing in that cup holder. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if auto owners is right for you or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom KJ and our Osseo Insider Bob Ferrante, who's on the Osseo, the uh, Earl Bacon Agency hotline, rather. Uh, so, uh, probably uh, not the best game any of us have ever seen. Uh, I'm going to confess, I really didn't watch the second half. I don't know if you guys stayed up and watched all of Georgia TCU, but uh, it was pretty evident where that was going to go. And unfortunately, I think it's where a lot of us assumed it was going to go before the game kicked off. But the same question, Bob, that I asked or teased before the break. So we've watched that. How much further ahead of the rest of the country is Georgia? And how much has Florida State really? close that gap and I say that with the context that there's a lot of hype about what FSU could be this year but it's one thing to be 10 and 3 or compete for an ACC championship like I think FSU can and probably should this coming year it's a whole nother thing to be able to beat that Georgia team juggernaut that's going right now so let's start there 
I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know too many teams that are going to beat Georgia, let alone Florida State. I mean, SEC competition, a lot of folks are saying, if it's not Tennessee, then who is it? I, I think when you look at a four-team playoff, my big question with Florida State, if you're looking for a roadmap to getting there, can you win your three biggest games away from Doak? Can you go down to Orlando and beat LSU? Can you beat Clemson at Death Valley? Can you beat Florida in the Swamp? If you can win all three of those and, and you don't trip up, you know, with any significance anywhere else, I, I think you've got a route to the playoff. My question, though, still is, does an ACC team that goes 11-1, and one, are they going to get the respect in a four-team playoff format? And I think that's that's to be determined based on what everybody else does around the country. But we then we get into that whole what what's what's the eye test and who passes the eye test, which which I think we all loathe because that's not the way that this should be. But but short term, we're stuck with a 14 playoff. When you get to a 12, then one loss really doesn't hurt you. But I think that the fact that Florida State's in this discussion um, has come this far really since you know, losing seasons in, in what, 18, 19, 20, and 21, and we're talking about being on the cusp of a playoff, I, I think it's a pretty cool conversation to have. Yeah, obviously, you talk to 100 different FSU fans, uh, you might get 100 different scenarios about how far along they feel. Uh, I look at things like, what is the rest of the country looking? I was, uh, while you guys were, were talking, I looked it up. I hope I'm correct, but FSU finished number 11 in the AP poll and number 10 in the coaches poll. So in theory, Florida State is a top 10 program in the 2022 season as looked at by others. Well, that is unbelievable progress, as you've mentioned, from uh, three or whatever it is, four years of losing seasons. Um, and I also uh, want to just push the brakes just a little bit. I had this conversation with a friend of mine uh, earlier in the week, and they were talking about how in the world you know, can Georgia win that big over a TCU? And I reminded them that how in the world could Florida beat Florida State 55 to 20-something in the 96 National Championship game? Those types of games with that much on the line can get away from teams real quick. And it got away from TCU, not taking anything away from Georgia. Uh, but you play that game 10 times, you're only going to have that score once. Georgia will probably still win eight of the other nine or maybe even nine of the other nine, but the score will be a little more respectable. Next time you use that example, can you go with the Nebraska Florida route in the championship game, Keith, instead of the one you chose? I'm just throwing that out there. I'll, I'll consider it Mr. Block. I'll, I'll take it under advisement. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, to Keith's point, Bob, about the ranking. So now TCU was picked seventh in their conference and wound up in the playoffs. So you can do it without a head start, so to speak. But FSU is going to be, I think they're going to be between five and 10 in the preseason rankings. Brett McMurphy had them number four. To me, to Keith's point, they finished 10 and 11. They bring everybody back. I could see people ranking them as high as four or five. I think more likely they'll be like number seven at the start of the year. But the point is that's a head start. It leaves you a little wiggle room. There's no divisions this coming year. So you have... Uh, you know, in a year with the Atlantic and, and you lose to Clemson, you're pretty much sunk. But now you lose to Clemson without divisions, you're not necessarily sunk because Clemson and FSU may still well be the two, uh, well be the two highest ranked teams. You know, if that game is a competitive game 
And, and I, I, I don't know the tiebreaker. If, if, if you've got two teams tied for second in the ACC, is it the highest ranked team that goes to the conference championship game? If so, pretty good to start in the top 10. Yeah, I want to say historically they've looked at if they didn't head, play. Head head. Yeah, yeah, if they didn't play, it could be like I honestly now that they've done away with divisions, it might all be changing too. I shouldn't say it. But the the odds that Florida State and Clemson could play a second time in Charlotte, pretty high. I mean, we'll we'll see. This 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 schedule, at least from a home standpoint, outside of Miami, you're gonna face, you know, Duke and some some other lightly regarded teams. Um, you're going to go up to Pittsburgh, which seems to scare a lot of programs, you know, year in, year out. But but is Florida State building from a talent retention standpoint enough to be in that conversation to be facing a, a Clemson again a second time in Charlotte? I, I think it'd be I think it'd be really cool to see, um, honestly, the best ACC team come out with a conference championship. I like to see conference champions rewarded in this four-team playoff format, although I realize it hasn't always worked out that way. Um, I, I think Florida State is is there. Um, the biggest the, the biggest breaks that I would put on this discussion is what I said earlier. You're playing your three biggest games away from home and always the threat of injuries, the, the intangible that you can't control is do you have the depth to overcome something that, you can't plan for it. You just have to prepare for it day in and day out on the practice field and hope you've got enough guys to plug those holes if if there's a worst-case scenario of an injury. Well, I think the reality of what you just said is that at the line of scrimmage, I feel like Florida State probably is better positioned if Burst gets hurt, if Lovett gets hurt, if an OL goes down like happened this year. The one question that's going to come back that we avoided all this past year, save for Louisville, is what if Jordan Travis gets hurt? Do we feel any better? Will we feel any better? And to be fair, we got to go through a spring practice if the backup quarterback is going to play. Now, you don't want to see that scenario, and Jordan was durable. I never thought he would come back from the Louisville game when he left and never miss a start, so credit to him. But, Again, maybe every team is in this. How many teams really feel great about their second string quarterback? I, I don't know. Probably not many. I, I think it's the the reality of of where we are in college football with the transfer portal. It, it's gotten more so to the point where it's easier for quarterbacks to look around. Um, and why do we see such great competition and a roster being built? You know, defensive end, defensive tackle, offensive line. Well, it's because so many guys play. And it's because you've got to rotate so many bodies, especially on the defensive front. Whereas quarterback, you feel like if you're not the guy, then it's hard being a good teammate and constantly practicing, knowing that Saturday you're you're just not going to get your chance out there. I, I feel better about Tate Rodemaker after what he's seen, what he what he showed us against Louisville. But there were there were some games where, you know, like Syracuse, he he didn't exactly move the offense down the field up at Syracuse. Um, Tate's had some practices where, again, he throws the ball, a deep ball, just as well as anybody. He has moments where he he misses those little touch throws, those that you expect 95% of the time, he's going to put it right there where it needs to be in a good spot to to catch and, and let the receiver running back turn and go upfield. There's just not that level of consistency yet. So you kind of ask yourself, is that because he's not playing enough on Saturdays or 
is that why he's he's a number two quarterback um just just because he's not just not quite good enough it's a it's a tough discussion but but again all you can do is recruit and develop at quarterback and honestly jordan is is the most valuable player for for a reason because the the drop off from jordan to tate rodemaker is significant whereas maybe the drop off between an offensive guard the first string and the second string isn't as significant it, it's just kind of the reality of of both the roster and where college football is right now Guys, is it fair to change gears just a little bit? Some hopeful signs from the men's basketball team of late. Uh, I know the ladies have been playing very well. They did drop a heartbreaker in uh, overtime. Uh, but uh, you get Baba back, uh, and you're a little, a little bit of a mini winning streak. Uh, is uh, fortune going to change for Leonard and his group? I think they're still in for a really tough, you know, slate of ACC games and, and, and Wake Forest, you know, Wednesday night, nine o'clock, not the, not the easiest game. I think, you know, for, for Bob and Miller to come back, it's a huge plus in, in a year where they just had negative after negative with all these injuries to have another rotational piece who can come in there. I personally think he'll be more impactful you know, on the defensive end of the court, just using that length and athleticism. Um, kind of a Jonathan Isaac body size and skill set, very long, athletic, uh, kind of looks like a guard with the ball handling and the ability to, to, you know, be a little bit of a stretch for a guy who can shoot from outside, but also drive. I think they need more rotational pieces. They're, they're just using, you know, Darren Green out there, 40 minutes. Matthew Cleveland has logged heavy minutes. Caleb Mills it's not a sustainable thing to go through the ACC schedule like that. So if Baba can just give you really, really good quality minutes without a, without too much of a drop-off, if he can just kind of get acclimated fast, um, you know, this is something they've, they've never really had an instance of, um, you know, you've had injuries to start a year, then you bring in a guy late, but, but this is a rare kind of instance to bring a freshman in who's never played a college game. And now he's got 15 to go. You know, it's going to be an interesting story when it when it's all kind of said and done, just to see how it unfolded. You know, on the women's side, it, it's been truly fun to watch Brooke Wyckoff's team. It's a totally different, um, you know, offensive system. They they love to rebound and push it, get as many fast break opportunities as possible. We've seen a lot of games go into the 90s, with with the exception of the the BC game you mentioned. You know, KJ were really forced to had some chances late. If you if you want to critique the officiating, the critique was uh, women's basketball officiating was, was as bad as it's ever been. I think it's Sunday, you know, up at Chestnut Hill, but still, Tanaya Latson had a chance at the buzzer, you know, driving to the bucket in regulation. She had a true chance to to win it, and it was just kind of an unlucky bounce off the rim. Um, and I think they just ran out of gas there in overtime. But these kind of things happen. Um, can a loss on the road be a good thing? I think I think Brooke will will kind of not spin this, but but just use it as a good educational opportunity because the games get tougher. You've got NC State, you've got Louisville. Um, you're getting truly into the, the the meat of this schedule in the ACC, and 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 we'll see. But I think this is a a team. You know, some people ask, is this is this team Final Four good? And and I'm I'm not there yet, but I think they've got the the capability to really make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. 
you know, well past the first weekend. And that's, that's going to be something fun to watch in March if that truly does happen. Bob, I just want to point out that you said the worst officiating in women's basketball, that is a low bar. And, and they cleared it. Is that what you're suggesting on Sunday? They're, or they, they, they failed to clear fame. it. I'm not sure what the proper terminology is there. Yeah, if there is a Hall of Fame, there 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 is one. There was definitely would you say a free throw disparity, KJ? Is that is that fair to <laughs> articulate? Uh, there was a disparity. There's no question. I, okay. I want to go back to the men's team. Uh, it was I was at the game against Georgia Tech, and uh, I don't know that I've ever sat. I, I sat like three rows behind the FSU bench, and and uh, which was very interesting, but also incredibly noticeable how short the bench is and how many guys never took off their tracksuit. There's two guys you can see a jersey, five guys on the floor, and everybody else is still in their tracksuit, but maybe three guys, right? Uh, but coach K never went deeper than that for his entire career and made it work somehow. Now that's not what Leonard has wanted to do, but you got to have some injury luck, but, but maybe getting Bob back, maybe they can make it work somehow. I will say this. It's, it's startling when you look at the ACC standings and FSU's three and two in the league, and they're the only team in the conference with a sub 500 record and they're six games under, right? So you look at it and you scratch your head, but, I don't think there's anybody in the league that's going to want to play FSU with anything at stake the rest of the way. I don't know how FSU is going to be going to finish, but if you're vying for the the double buy and trying to be a top four seed in the ACC, you don't want to see FSU on the schedule. I I guarantee that right now. I I think especially if they're a little bit rested, you you don't want to see a, you know, I think where Florida State could get hurt is if they're playing sound back-to-back nights in an ACC tournament setting where, you know, you've, you've had to ride those those same seven or eight guys. That's where you truly get in trouble. And it's it's the benefit of having depth that that's where some of those Leonard Hamilton teams have done really well in March because you can rotate those guys on back-to-back days. I, I'm, I'm with you. I think we've we've seen historically, uh, you know, Bayheim and Mike Bray over at Notre Dame, they tend to always run out seven or eight guys. It's just their thing. That's how they win. But it amazes me because Leonard Hamilton has found you know success doing the opposite. And I think he's frustrated, maybe even humbled by by what's happened, you know, injury misfortune beyond anybody's control these these last two seasons now. But I, I also feel, you know, talking to Coach Hamilton, Stan Jones, they almost feel encouraged. And and there's this renewed optimism to get a guy like Baba back. And Nobody really knows what to expect. And they're not putting, you know, huge offensive expectations on him. But it's it's almost like a like a welcome relief just to get somebody who has those kind of abilities and and to be able to throw them out there. I think they're all um I think they're just encouraged by what could come out of this. So will Florida State finish anywhere near 500? I don't think so. I, I really don't, but I kind of I'm now excited about these final 15 games. I think we're all kind of curious how this this kind of experiment plays out. We were talking before we actually came on the air and Tom made the comment and I I echo it. Um, There was question about effort and and fatigue earlier in the year. Um, That's not evident anymore. They are playing the typical junkyard dog hard. Uh, when you're on the court, you're giving it everything you've got. 
Uh, they're back to that style of play. They just don't have enough bodies doing it right now. Yeah, I agree. I thought they played well. Uh, let's continue that conversation, Keith, when you and I come back. Bob, we need to let you go, but we appreciate your insight as always. And uh, thank you. Have a good week. And we'll uh, see you when we see you. Yeah, take care. Thank you. Bob Ferrante, our Osceola insider. More Front Row Knowles right after this. Hey, folks, Austin Hobson with Hobson Chevrolet Buick in Cairo, Georgia. You already know we have the best selection of inventory in North Florida and South Georgia, but you also know we have the best service department. With over 100 years combined of experienced GM-certified technicians and over 18 bays to better serve you. Come schedule your service online or come see us today at Hobson Chevrolet. Service your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call. So you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if auto owners is right for you. Or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. A few minutes left to finish up. I guess we can keep on the basketball train here, Keith. Again, it was... It was the Georgia Tech game I saw the other day, but uh, I do think Florida State has some good parts now that they're playing as hard as they are. First of all, kudos to Matthew Cleveland, who's living up to the hype, five straight double-doubles going into tonight. Uh, We talked about uh, Darren, the three-point shooter, the transfer from UCF. When he's going, that's a tough out. I thought the other day Naheem McLeod added that big body presence inside that Leonard loves, and I thought that that at the point Worley looked – as good as I've seen him, certainly that dunk was something. He just looked more confident. So if you take all that and you can figure out how to put Boba Miller in the mix, I'm not saying they're they're going to win the ACC. I'm just saying I think they're going to continue to play well and be a tough out. In, in it, part, a tough out meaning the rest of the conference schedule. I'm not suggesting second weekend of the NCAA tournament. And part also of this, Tommy, is you know the the writing's kind of on the wall. You're, you're you know unless you end up winning the ACC tournament. Uh, you know, chances for postseason at the NCAA level doesn't necessarily exist, but there is motivation in being a spoiler, particularly if you consider yourself being a spoiler for the last half of the season because you're building towards the 23-24 season and wanting to get back to where you've been uh, prior to the last couple of years. So there, there's, uh, there's motivation in that. It's, uh, it's not the motivation Leonard would like, uh, but there is motivation in that. So Florida State uh, on the road tonight, Wednesday night uh, against Wake and then back home against Virginia. I think that's a four o'clock tip on Saturday uh, at the Tuck. Um, That said, Keith, I I go back to where we started. Uh, Interesting coaching hire, if the reports are accurate, and I'm sure they are, but with Patrick Sertan Sr. coming in, I like it overall. I don't even think unconventional is fair. I mean, there's plenty of – the guy's a football player and knows football. So what if he hasn't coached at the college level? He, he's going to know what he's talking about, and, and, and uh, he's going to know how to play and, and teach the cornerback. Well, he may not have coached at the college level, but being the head coach uh, 
what's that American what what's, what's American what's heritage that? yeah <laughs> that's the junior college level is it not <laughs> I mean that program they turn out some athletes and before we leave we talked about uh, Kirby's ties to Florida State another coach with ties to FSU uh, recently voted into the National Football Foundation Hall of Fame Mark Rick uh, what a quality class guy and uh, congratulations to to Mark and Catherine for his selection into the to the National Football Foundation Hall of Fame. I'm thrilled for him. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, Coach Richt, uh, obviously integral to the uh, the FSU dynasty and spent a lot of time uh, here at Florida State, even though he's a Kane and a former Kane coach. Keith, we're out of time. Uh, I will talk to you again next week. Sounds good, Tommy. He's Keith. I'm Tom. This is Front Row Knowles. <laughs>